Welcome to Simple Truth, the teaching ministry of Pastor Eddie Turner and Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Through the practical and simple explanation of God's Word, Pastor Eddie has taught the Word of God to thousands of people around the world. The following message is from a recent service at Family Worship Center in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Let's join Pastor Eddie as he shares simple truths from God's Word. You have your Bibles turn to Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26, verse number 3. Isaiah chapter 26, verse number 3. Once again, we're so glad you're here today. We have life groups that meet on Sunday night, various Sunday nights all over the county. Uh, and if you are looking for a small group, we encourage you. We are a church of small groups. If you're not in a small group, I encourage you to get in a small group. What a way to have community and love and share your faith and grow in your faith. So they meet on Sunday nights. You can go to our website, familywc.com, and get a list of all the life groups and and see if there's one in your age category or one close to your home. And uh, they would love to uh, have you come and join them. Isaiah chapter 26, verse number 3. The prophet Isaiah, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gets a word from the Lord. And this is what he says. God will keep in perfect peace all who trust in Him. All whose thoughts are fixed on Him. Now isn't that amazing? God said God will keep in perfect peace, every perfect peace, everybody who trusts in Him. And then he goes on to say, everyone whose heart faults are fixed. Did you know the condition of your thought life determines the quality of the peace in your life? The condition of your thought life determines the quality of the peace in your life. In 1987, Amanda and I went through the most, one of the most critical times in our life. A period of about 15 to 18 months in which I literally thought, and you might have had this thought about yourself, but I literally thought I was going crazy. Harassing, condemning, impure thoughts raced through my mind continually. I could not turn my mind off. There was no relief day and night. I came to the place in 1987 that for most of the year, I was a prisoner in my own home unable to leave my house, paranoid because of my thought life. Anytime I went out in public, fear and anxiety overwhelmed me. I lived with a tightness of physical symptoms. I felt like somebody had placed a rubber band or some type of band around my head. It felt like my head was constantly being squeezed. I had headaches. Headaches plagued me continually. My eyesight became dim. I, I, things just got dark, literally dark. I couldn't sleep at night, so multiple times Amanda would get up to check on me, and I'd be in our den just sitting there alone, and she'd say, Eddie, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I just can't sleep. She says, you have every light on in the house. Why have you got all these lights on? I said, it looks dark. Everything looks dark to me. I went to several medical doctors. She took me to several medical doctors, and they couldn't find any physical symptom that was causing this. 
This was 30 years ago. And I never will forget the last doctor we went to. He just called us in his office and he said, Son, it just appears, and this was the terminology they used, it appears you're having a nervous breakdown. See, I had family members who had extensive stays in hospitals for the mentally ill. Family members in my past had stayed in hospitals for the mentally ill. So all through 1987, I was living with this. You're going to end up just like them. In 1987, I was 29 years old. I had my whole life in front of me. I was married to a beautiful lady that loved me. I had a brand new one-year-old baby boy. I was pastoring a little church, my first little church. And I thought by the end of that year, I would be in an institution for the mentally handicapped. And I would spend all of my life there. Yet it was during those 15 months that the Lord set me free and has helped me now for the next, since then, 30 years to help others get free who are experiencing these tormenting thoughts. Yesterday, I received a call from a second-year medical student at the medical uh, school of the University of Kentucky in Lexington, Kentucky. Second-year medical student. Pastor Eddie told me his name. I've heard your story. Can you help me? I'm struggling with my thought life. Friday night, I get a text all the way from California from another doctor. Pastor Eddie, I've heard about your story, and I'm struggling with anxiety. Can you help me? I can't turn my mind off. And I've discovered over the last 30 years that sexual tormenting, sexual harassing thoughts tormenting thoughts, all of this impure, negative, harassing thoughts that Satan, he doesn't play fair. He doesn't play fair at all. This dark depression, dark demon depression and thought harassment is no respecter of persons. It don't make any difference how much money you have. It doesn't make any difference what color your skin you are. It doesn't make how educated, make any difference how educated you are. The dark demon of depression and thought harassment is no respecter of persons. It will attack anybody. Our hearts were grieved just a couple of years ago when one of the greatest comedians of all time, Robin Williams, took his own life after years of battling depression and drug abuse. Robin Williams made us all laugh. His humor was infectious, and the characters he played in multiple movies were hilarious. But beyond the camera, his mind was tormented, and he lived a life of fear which was far different from the pictures of the laughs and the humor on the big screen. He lived in a private, mental, and emotional hell of torment and despair, to the point that the applause of men could not overcome the continual drumbeat of hopelessness that invaded his mind every single day. Now, thankfully, millions of people don't go that far and take that vast a measure to try to get peace in their life by ending their life. But there are multiple people who do. Just in the last six months, there have been three people in our county 
who were so tormented in their mind and wanting to end their life that they have taken and jumping off, jumped off the bridges over the interstate into oncoming traffic just to end their life and to get some type of peace. There's hardly a week that goes by that we do not hear where someone or know of someone who ends their life with a gunshot because they're tormented. Their mind will not stop and they don't think they can ever have peace. Depression and despair is, is overcoming and captivating everything about their lives. I want you to know some things this morning. He who begun a good work in you will complete the work. If you don't give up, the Lord will bring you through. And there might be some of you here this morning. Some of you here this morning who are also living in your private hell, in your mind. I mean, you've got your Sunday clothes on this morning and you've put a smile on your face. But when you get alone, you're tormented. You're plagued with negative ungodly, critical, accusatory thoughts, and they just won't turn off. And you find yourself losing hope for tomorrow. There's no anticipation of next year or next month or next week. You're just getting through the day and hope you can get through the day because your mind is just plagued. And over the last 30 years, some things Amanda and I have learned as the Lord delivered me 30 years ago is that a war is raging for the minds of men and women and youth and children. There's a war raging. And whoever and whatever controls our mind and thought life controls our direction and destiny in life. Whoever controls... There's a war. There is a war. Satan is wanting to control your thought life because if he can control the thoughts that you and I entertain and roll over in our mind, he can control our life. He doesn't have to pull us around by the hand. He doesn't have to send some demon to make us do anything. If he can just suggest thoughts that are his will and his plan, and we sit there and play with those all day long, eventually he'll get us to move in the direction he wants us to move. Each of us are engaged in a personal daily war to determine who will control our thought life. People say, well, it doesn't make any difference what you think. What you think won't hurt you. What you think can kill you. What you think can kill you. The Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. As a man thinketh, so is he. So what you and I are thinking is vitally important, and Satan knows that. That's why he's after your thought life. He wants room in your mind. He wants you focused on his agenda. And it's important as Christians that we use the weapons that we have and the armor that we have to keep our minds free so that the Lord can bless us instead of Satan tormenting us. Our thought life, our thought life is ground zero for spiritual warfare. Satan operates in the arena of thought. That's how he operates. He operates in the arena of thought. He doesn't show up at your house in a red devil suit with a pitchfork and knock on the door and say, Hey, here, let's, I'm going to tempt you to do this. He operates in the arena of thought. That's how he gets us. He makes a suggestion to our mind and we entertain it and eventually we act on it. Turn, look, at, look at this. Let, let me read this to you that the Lord gave me several years ago. The precursor of evil actions 
should be our evil thoughts instead of is evil thoughts. The precursor of evil actions are evil thoughts. If Satan cannot plant an evil thought in our mind, then he will be unable to motivate us to evil actions. Did you hear me? If he doesn't get an evil thought, if he doesn't get you to grab hold of one of his evil thoughts, he can never get you to act in an ungodly way. Evil thoughts are precursors. They go before every evil action. Over the years, I've had men and women come to me who love the Lord, who had, who had been unfaithful to their marriage vows. And they would say, Pastor, I just don't know why I did that. I knew it was wrong. I knew it was wrong. I knew stepping out on my husband, or I knew stepping out on my wife and being... I knew it was wrong. I know it's wrong. I knew it was wrong then. I don't know, and I know it's wrong now. I'm so ashamed. I have no idea why I did that. And the reason they did it was because they entertained that thought long enough that it became an action. I've never had anyone come to me and say, Pastor, I was unfaithful to my spouse. And I'd say, well, how long have you been thinking about that? I've never had anyone say, you know, I've never thought about it. I just went out today and did it without giving it any thought. It doesn't happen that way. Evil thoughts are precursors to evil actions. That's why it's so important that we keep our mind pure and clean and holy. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 15. Let me show it to you from the Word of God. Matthew chapter 15. Do you not yet understand that whatever enters in the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? Now, does anybody need an explanation of what that means? Whatever goes in the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated. Do we all have that? Everybody, everybody understand that? That's pretty simple. But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. Verse 19. For out of the heart proceed... What's the first thing? Evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Have you ever thought about that? Notice what it says. The Lord just tells us right here. For out of the heart, the first thing that comes out of the heart is evil thought. And then what follows that is the evil actions. Murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemy. You don't ever have to worry about committing adultery if you don't ever think about it. You don't have to worry about murdering anybody. Well, every once in a while you just don't think about it. You just won't take them out. Especially some of these drivers in Murfreesboro. Does everybody have that? Anybody ever have attempted with that? Oh my Jesus! I have to. I grow. If you want to grow, if you want to grow in spiritual maturity and see if your faith is really working, do your devotion in the morning and drive down Memorial in the afternoon. You'll get plenty of opportunity to put your faith to work. But notice what it says, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, then comes murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts. In other words, it takes a thought to proceed an action. Therefore, if we keep our thought life in control, under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then we never have to worry about doing any of those things up there that the Bible says is unholy. Now, listen to these statistics. According to scientific studies, medical research, the average person has... But the average person... Now, most of you are above average, but most, some of us in here are just average. Some of you guys in here 
uh, are way below average. But most of you ladies are way above average. But the median average, the average person has between 60 and 70,000 thoughts a day. They tell us that people whose minds have the capacity to think more and are more uh, brilliant and whose IQs are, are quite inflated compared to the average person, they will think as many as 90,000 thoughts a day. But the average person, like us, will, sp- will think 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. You say, now what's so important about that? Well, here's what you need to know. There's 86,000 400 seconds in a day. So this literally helps us to see that almost every second we're thinking a thought. Almost every second we're thinking a thought. You say, I didn't know I was doing that. Well, some of us don't. Some of us are in the two to 3,000 range of thoughts. You know, it just takes too much energy to think. You know, so we don't want to work too hard. We don't want to, we don't want to burn out. So we just don't, we don't use our mind very much. But the average person... See, now, there's 86,400 seconds in a day. So if, it, if most of us think 60,000, almost a thought a second. Now, here's what's the most interesting thing. Over 90% of our daily thoughts are repetitive. They're the same thing over and over and over again. So if we think 60,000 thoughts a day and 90% or 54,000 are the same thought, then it's easy to see how a person can get something stuck in their mind and it drives them to an action. You understand what I'm thinking? If you're thinking something 54,000 times a day, if you don't get that corrected and get that shift and get that changed, eventually you're going to move toward that. It just overwhelms you. That's why it's so important that we keep our thought life surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. This is how it happened. With Judas and Jesus, turn with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, verse number 1. In the NIV, it says this, John chapter 13, verse number 1. It was just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil, now notice this, the devil had already prompted Judas the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Notice it says the devil had prompted him. Now, how did the devil prompt him? How did did the devil convince Judas to betray the Son of God, the man that he had seen raise the dead, heal the sick, cause the lame, teach as no other man, the man that he at one time believed was the Son of God? How in the world could the devil convince him or prompt him to betray Jesus, the Son of God, the man he had been following for three years and had given his life to. How in the world did that happen? Well, how, did this, how does he prompt us? The devil didn't get him around the corner and show up and say, hey, listen, I got a deal. Let's cut this deal. No, the devil prompted him by suggesting a thought in his mind, just like he does you and I. 
Satan suggested a thought to the mind of Judas and Judas entertained it over and over until it eventually turned into an action. What what you think doesn't matter. What you think can destroy your life and other people's lives as well. See, we must keep our minds under the lordship of Jesus. Here's Here's an interesting scripture. Turn to Revelation chapter 12 verse 10. Revelation 12, 10. This is, this, this is about uh, the fall of Satan from heaven. And notice what it says. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heaven. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters have been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. This interesting verse because this verse says, this is talking about Satan falling from heaven, being cast out of heaven. And the Bible here calls him the accuser of the brothers, brothers and sisters. He's the accuser. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever seen someone from a distance? You don't even know them, but you've seen them. And all of a sudden, all these negative, critical thoughts start racing in your mind about them. Well, look at them. They think they're so much better than you. Look what they're wearing. Look at that car they got up. They think they're so hot. They think they're so important. I bet they got debt over their ears. I bet they are eat up with it. I bet they got a hundred credit cards in there. Anybody ever think those things beside me? Y'all don't? Y'all don't think those things? Y'all don't think those things? As, as I got up here this morning, as I got, some of you, look at that. Look what he's wearing. Look what he's wearing. He needs to lose some weight. Boy, he just needs to lose some weight. You see what? Well, at least he's got a suit on today. Most times he's got a pair of jeans on. At least he's got a suit on today. Thank God he's got a suit on today. Most times he's got a pair of jeans. You see what his wife had on last week? Where do you think those, where do you think those thoughts come from? The accuser of the brethren. The accuser. I've, I've had to catch myself. I'll find myself thinking critical thoughts about people that I don't even know. There's no truth to what I'm, and basis of what I'm thinking. But Satan is the accuser of the brethren and he's always accusing us to one another. How many times have you perceived a conflict with somebody because of something you heard. And all of a sudden, your mind gets to racing. I bet they said this, and I bet they said that, and I bet they're going to do this. And when you see them, I guarantee you, this is what they're going to bring up. And they're going to tell you this, and they're going to say this, and you need to tell them that, and you need to give them a piece of your mind, and you need to tell them... And then all of a sudden, when you see them, none of that happens. But you've got it so worked up in your mind. Why? Because the accuser of the brethren is just drilling away at us. And it moves us to action and it moves us to moments and seasons and days of stress in our life. And and we get this stuff built up. How many times have you received a call from the doctor? He says, I need to talk to you. And then you don't hear from him for two or three hours. And the next thing you know, your mind is running. Oh, they found cancer. I knew it was in grandmother. It was in mother. Now it's in me. Oh, oh no. What are we going to do? And then when he calls you, it's a wrong number. But your mind goes crazy. Why? Because Satan keeps firing. He keeps firing. Things, how many times have you seen the boss and, and, and walking down the, where you work and all of a sudden they just they might not be having a good day and they don't speak to you. But then you're oh, what have I done? What did I say? What, what are they going to do? Are they going to fire me? And, and all this. Guy, it just works your mind over. The accuser of the brethren. 
It's important that we keep our minds under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. In 1987, I I finally understood the importance of getting my mind renewed with the Word of God. Look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse number 1. The Apostle Paul is talking to Christians. He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to people who believe in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He says, I beseech you. That word beseech there is in the Greek. It, 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 English doesn't do it well. Um, but it, it, it's a, a very intensive pleading and begging. He's literally saying, I plead with you. I beg you. And the only words we have with any intensity is, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? Everybody say, the renewing of my mind. Be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Notice, how how do we get transformed? We get transformed when our mind gets transformed. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Ephesians 4, 22. Paul's talking to the Christians at Ephesus, not sinners, to Christians. He says, put off concerning your former conduct, the way you used to live. Put that away. He says, put off the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See, it's one thing when we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we give our heart to Him, but then we have a responsibility to change and transform the way we're thinking. And one of the most disheartening things to have to deal with is having Jesus in your heart, but still thinking the way you were thinking before you got saved. That's a tough assignment. That's a tough plow to pull. And we do that all the time because we are responsible to renew our minds. It's a conscious effort and labor to renew your minds. It's conscious effort. And it's work to renew your mind. Renewing your mind is more than just learning some new information. It is changing the way you think. You've got to change the way you think. It's not just adding new information on to old information. You've just got to change the way you think. So hang with me. I'm going to go real quick because I've already done this once and I know what I'm fixing to tell you. And I'm getting hungry and it's time to go. So here we go. We're going quick. Number one, become aware of how you really think. Take an honest evaluation of your thought life. Have you really thought about what have I, what have I been entertaining this week? What have I been daydreaming about this week? What have I been fantasizing about this week? What's captured my mind? Something, some of you, 54% of your, or 54,000 thoughts you've had on one thing this week. And what is it? You see why a guy takes machine guns and rifles and goes up into a hotel room in Las Vegas and slaughters 58 people. He got that on his mind. Became a stronghold in his life. And evil thoughts are precursors to evil actions. What have you been thinking about this week? Take an honest evaluation. Look what it says in Philippians 4.8. And now 
Dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thought on, on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Has the things you've been dreaming about, are they excellent? Are they worthy of praise? Are they admirable? Are they true? I've learned that once you take an honest evaluation of what you've been entertaining in your mind, you will discover that the darkness, the fear, and the anxiety in your life is usually directly tied to your undisciplined thought life. Usually tied to your undisciplined thought life. So take an honest evaluation of what you've been thinking. What have you been daydreaming about? When you're driving to work, what's on your mind? When you're sitting around, just daydreaming, what is, what is captivating your mind? Take an honest evaluation of what you've been thinking. Number two, become aware of what God wants you to think. See, I have people all the time come to me and say, Pastor, I, I realize I've been thinking negative. I've been thinking ungodly. I've been thinking impure. I've, it just captivates my mind. I, but I don't know what to do. I, you know, your mind's going to think. That's what it does. So you need to become aware of how God wants you to think. And, and this is why I say to you every week, and I know you get tired of me saying it, but I'm going to say it again today. We must have daily time in the Word of God. See, a lot of people understand, I don't need to think this way, but they don't have any ammunition to fight back with. I don't want to think those thoughts, but I don't have any thoughts to replace those thoughts with. That's why it's important to have daily Bible reading in the Word of God. God's Word is God's thoughts. Become aware of how God wants you to think. Look at James. Let's look at Psalm chapter 119, verse 11. Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I've hidden your Word. I've hidden your word. I've told you this multiple times. John Osteen, Joel Osteen's daddy told me on a plane flying from Houston to Tulsa. He said to me, he said, Eddie, if you'll put God's word in your heart when you don't need it, the Holy Spirit will always be faithful to bring it out of your heart when you do need it. So I put God's word in my heart daily And then when I need some ammunition to fight those negative thoughts, here they come. Number three, reject thoughts which are contrary to God's way of thinking. Listen, if you don't hear anything else I say, listen to this. Every thought that comes into your mind, you do not have to. You are not required to take ownership of that thought. I thought every thought that raced through my mind, that was my thought. And then I discovered every thought that races through my mind, I do not have to take ownership of that thought. I don't have to accept that thought. I have the free will to reject that thought if I don't want it. What does that look like, Pastor? Well, it looks like getting up from your desk and walking around and shaking your head and saying, no, I ain't going to accept that. I've even pulled off the side of the road and got out of my car and said, no, no, I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to believe that. Now, I wouldn't... I wouldn't encourage you to walk around the middle of the road on the highway, get, get far enough off the road, all right? 
But, but understand that you can reject thoughts that are contrary to God's way of thinking. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse uh, 3 through 5, 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down a strong host, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You're not going to make it. No, I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to accept that. I tell you what, I'm going to live and not die and tell of the wondrous works of the Lord. With long life, He's going to satisfy me and show me His salvation. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. I'm not going to accept that is not my destiny. That is not God's thought. And that is not my thought. And I will reject that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're gonna, you, you just got laid off. You're going broke. You're going broke. You're going to lose everything. You're going to lose your home. You're going to lose your car. Your kids are not going to be able to go to school. You're not going to be able to feed them. You're just going to lose. I will, I'm not going to receive that. If you sit there and entertain that 54,000 times a day, at, by the end of the day, anybody would be depressed and full of anxiety. But you say, no, I'm not going to receive that. That's not my thought. That's not God's thought. God's thought says this. He'll supply all my needs according to His riches in glory. See, we've got to take intentional action to get our minds under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So number one, always become aware of how you really think. Take an honest evaluation of your thought life. Number two, become aware of how God wants you to think. Learn His Word. Learn His Word. Can I tell you, it's, it's simple and it's elementary And this is not a big-time spiritual principle, but can I just... The best way to learn His Word is just take a couple of verses every week and memorize them. I still, to this day, take a couple of verses every week and I memorize them. Just every week. Just take a couple of verses. Scripture memorization does more for renewing your mind with the Word of God. So number one... Become aware of how you really think. Take an honest evaluation. Number two, become aware of how God wants you to think. Number three, reject thoughts that are contrary to God's way of thinking. Just say, no, I'm not going to think that. I'm just refused to think that. Number four, practice the thoughts of God until they become your own. We practice hitting the baseball until we can hit it. We practice our golf swing until we can hit it. We practice uh, so many things in life. We practice shooting. We practice hunting. We practice fishing. We practice so many. We practice dance. We, we practice cheer. We practice football. We practice so many. We practice our arithmetic, our multiplication tables. We practice uh, uh, Bible quiz. We practice our drama. We practice our music. We practice our trombone. We practice so many things. Things in life will practice the Word of God, the thoughts of God, until they become your own. It becomes second nature to you. Just practice it. Practice it. Every day, just confess some of them. Every day, just speak them over your life. Every day, just act on them until they become your own. Proverbs 4, verse 20 says this, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my saying. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. In other words, keep on them. Practice them. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. I love Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 says, The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate it, practice it. 
Think about it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Well, I'm not the right color and my family's not the right family. And I don't have the educational aptitude that some people do. And I wasn't born into money and somebody didn't give me a break. And I didn't get hired at that job. And my number didn't get pulled. And I didn't get into that right university. And I don't have that talent. And I don't have that gift. Yeah, but you've got the Word of God. And if you'll meditate the Word of God, the Word of God will put you over in life. It'll put you over in life. So practice it to become your own. And finally, number five, and I'm quitting, I'm going home, I'm tired. Replace ungodly mindsets with a godly way of thinking by confession of God's Word. I don't know about you, but you know, it, it's easy in my life, what I discovered in my life, that I got, a, I got a, a pattern of thinking that I didn't even realize that's the way I thought. It was the filter through which I saw the world. My family, my family, unfortunately, are world champion worriers. We are the best at worry. They worry about everything. They worry if they don't have something to worry about. Something's getting ready to happen, nothing going on, but something's getting ready to happen. So they'll worry about something getting ready to happen. We're worry champion warriors. And we had this crazy idea that worry meant you love, that you care. No, worry is a form of fear. And there is no f- love in fear. There's, there's none of that. So to get your, the filter changed how you see the world. You know, some people are just negative. They're just negative. You ask them about anything and they got a negative comment. They see the world through negative eyes. How do you change that? How do you get that changed? How many of you have, every time somebody tells you about some ailment got you, they have, suddenly you start hurting in that same area? See, you just see the world the way through negative eyes. How do you change that? You replace ungodly mindsets with a godly way of thinking. How do you do By confession of God's Word. You mean if I speak God's Word out, it will eventually change my filter? You better believe it will change your filter. And let me give you a scripture to prove it. Most people miss it. Turn to Psalm 45, verse number 1. It says this, My heart is overflowing with a good theme Isn't that amazing? His heart is overflowing. It's overflowing. It's overflowing with what? A good theme. What's the Bible say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I recite my composition concerning the king. I recite. Notice he's speaking out. He's speaking out. Then notice the key. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. When I speak, it writes on the tablets of my heart. That's why Jesus, the the Apostle Paul says, if you believe with your heart and do what? Confess with your mouth, thou shalt be saved. Because all of a sudden the confession writes the reality on your heart. Because your tongue is an ink pen. 
That's why you don't go around all day long t- saying, I can't, I won't, I, it'll never happen, I'm going to die, I'm sick, I'm, I'm not going to make it, we're not going to get through this, because that's riding on your heart. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. But you go around and you speak God's Word all day long, and when the situation comes, instead of fear coming out, all of a sudden faith is going to come out because that's what's been written on your heart, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's amazing how this works. Absolutely amazing. So, that's it. Number one. Become aware of how you really think. Take an honest evaluation of your thought life. Number two, become aware of how God wants you to think. How does God want me to think about this? Number three, reject thoughts which are not God's way of thinking. Say, no, I'm not going to think that. Number four, practice the thoughts of God until they become your own. And number five, replace ungodly mindsets with a godly way of thinking by confession of God's Word. I laid in that little den on Chilcut Drive in that little bitty house in the middle of the night and Satan would tell me they're going to put you in a straitjacket. They're coming and they're going to put you in a straitjacket and they're going to take you off. And I'd see it in my mind and I'd just weep and weep and weep. Amanda would get up the next morning and I'd say, I had this dream, Amanda. They were coming to get me in a straitjacket. And then all of a sudden, the Lord, through miraculous things, showed me these scriptures. And finally, every morning, even though the battle raged at night, and even though the same image tried to get in my mind of them coming to take me away, every morning, I'd get up, and I'd say to Amanda, I've got the mind of Christ. God's not given me a spirit of fear, but power to love and sound mind. Well, did you have it? No, I didn't have it. But I spoke it until it became a reality in my life. Thank you for listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Eddie Turner. Please join us at Family Worship Center, 3045 Memorial Boulevard, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, when you are in the Middle Tennessee area. You can also learn more about FWC at our website, www.familywc.com. Thank you again for listening to The Simple Truth.